I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good evening, and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, live on the YouTube channel and available to listeners in audio format on all major podcast stores. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's trip to West Ham United this weekend. A huge, huge game for the Gunners, perhaps not so big for West Ham, who are focused, I'd imagine, on getting through to the Europa League final. A disappointing result for them on Thursday at the hands of Eintracht Frankfurt, but the tie is still very much alive. And they'll be going into that second leg confident that they can overturn the one-goal lead that Eintracht Frankfurt currently have in place. I want to say a few hellos. Uh, big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat at the moment, because I know this is not the usual time that we stream. Um, but due to some meetings and stuff that I had to shift around, I decided that I wanted to delay uh, the podcast so that I could do a proper job of it as opposed to rushing it and getting it out really, really quickly. The other thing is that I wanted those of you listening via the audio platforms to wake up on Saturday morning and see a notification that the podcast is in your podcast app so that you can listen to it uh, as you get on with your Saturday with plenty of time ahead of that big game of course, against West Ham United this weekend. So on this edition of the show, we're going to be breaking down some of the key points from Mikel Arteta's press conference. We'll be looking at the facts and stats around this game, looking at the history of it just a little bit. And of course, I'll be sharing with you guys the team I'd like to see Mikel Arteta pick. I'll take your questions and your thoughts from the chat box, as well as uh, giving you my prediction towards the end of the show. We'll do a little bit of Q&A as well um, for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, as we normally do. Uh, so lots and lots to get into. Just a quick reminder before we go any further, if you could, please do hit the like button. It really, really does help. It really helps in terms of getting that video out there to more people. If you're listening via the audio platforms, ignore me. But what you guys can do is leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because uh, we've had a few come in uh, in the last few days, which is great because they really do help. And the more, the better. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, please do leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to uh, subscribe to the channel, subscribe because, of course, as I keep on saying, uh, we're creeping towards that 20K mark on YouTube. And we're going to do something special to celebrate that when we eventually get there. It feels like it's going to be in about two years' time, uh, the way we're going. But we will get there one day. Um, and also, if you want to go one further than that and subscribe to our membership, you can find the link in the description below or click the Join button if you're watching us via YouTube on your PC. Right, let's get into it then. Let's start off by having a look at Mikel Arteta's press conference. Now, Mikel Arteta, as always, got asked about a variety of topics. He was asked about Jurgen Klopp's new contract. He was asked about the situation at Man United. He was asked about so many different things, as is always the case. He was asked if he had a problem with the idea of West Ham, who play us, and Leicester City, who are, of course, also in European action, um, and have a second leg to play against Roma. He was asked if he was okay with them potentially rotating in their game against Spurs. Look, I think sometimes the way things fall in football, it can be unfair. Like, for example, had Leicester not been in the middle of a European campaign and going to White Hart Lane with something to play for in the league, full stretch, full strength, at, whilst we were going to a West Ham side who, I don't know that they're going to do this, but we're going to make wholesale changes, then Tottenham fans would feel that that was unfair and vice versa. 
But I don't really think there's a story here when you consider that both the clubs that both of us are facing this weekend are in the same boat in terms of having big European games on the horizon and probably will be tempted to make a number of changes. So he was asked about a variety of topics, and I don't want to go through the entire press conference because I think that can get a bit laborious and a little bit boring uh, because, um, you know, many of you will have seen it, many of you will have heard it, many of you would have read some of the quotes. But there were a couple of key points that I just wanted to pick up on, and I want to start with the good news, which is Bakayo Saka, according to Mikel Arteta, has recovered well. Now, we all saw him limp off against Manchester United last weekend in the second half of that game. And it was revealed post-match that he had a problem going into the fixture. Um, that's what um, Mikel Arteta told us. And we all saw uh, that he didn't look 100%. And there was, of course, fitness doubts and question marks around whether or not he'd be available for this trip to West Ham United. But you can take encouragement, hopefully, from what Mikel Arteta had to say in front of the media during his press conference, because the Spaniard revealed, as I said, that Bukayo Saka has recovered well, which is really positive, because you feel like if we're going to get over the line, if we're going to finish in the top four, it's imperative that the likes of Bukayo Saka are not just available and fit and part of the team, but are at their absolute maximum, because we really do need them. Uh, a couple of other bits. He was asked about Tomiyasu, um, who, of course, has been out for a while, came back against Manchester United, was on the substitutes bench, made a brief cameo appearance towards the end of that game. What is the situation with the Japanese international? Now, for my money, I think we really look... I don't know what the word is here without it sort of being offensive to anybody um, or without it coming across as, as though I'm criticising individuals. But look, we just don't look the same in terms of our solidarity with Cedric and Tavares at fullbacks. They're just not on the same planet as Tommy Asu and Tierney. And when you've got both of those guys um, that like we have had, and I'm talking about Tommy Asu and Tierney missing, I think we've looked a bit shaky as a defensive unit. I thought we conceded a hell of a lot of chances, a hell of a lot of possession against Manchester United last weekend. And if you go back to the game we played uh, against Chelsea, in the midweek prior to that, we looked all over the place during various points of that game as well from a defensive standpoint. So on that basis, I think we can all agree that we look really, really different and not in a good way without our first choice fullbacks. Now, a lot of people have taken encouragement from the fact that Takahiro Tomiyasu is back fit and available for selection. But just how fit is he having missed so many games? Can he walk straight into the first 11 for a game like this? at the London Stadium. It's going to be a big ask and I guess he'll have uh, he'd have had some time since last weekend to really put the work in on the training ground. Uh, but also there's a there's a worry isn't there there's a concern that you want to work yourself hard when you're coming back from a long-term injury so that you can get as close to match sharpness as you possibly can although that might not even be possible without playing actual matches. But in order to get to your peak uh, peak condition or as close to that as you can quickly you need to work bloody damn hard and there'll always be that worry won't there in the back of your mind as a player just coming back from an injury or as a coach sort of trying to get a player um you know to uh, to come back from a long-term injury there's always that doubt there's always that worry that you don't want to aggravate the problem so it's a it's a fine balance to find between sort of as i say working the player to his absolute maximum but trying to minimize 
uh, the risk of that injury cropping up again. He did say, with regards to Tommy Asu, um, that he's lacked time on the pitch of late, as we all know, uh, but that a decision was going to be made uh, whether he would start or not. So Mikel Arteta always keeps his cards close to his chest when it comes to press conferences. He never gives anything away, um, but it seems like he's going to be considering bringing Tommy Asu back into the starting eleven. And I just think for the overall balance, the overall shape of the team, I just think it helps us if he's back in at right back because it then, in my view, gives Tavares that little bit more license on the left-hand side to get forward and impact the game in the way that we all know he can but also it leaves him less exposed because we can kind of slide across a little bit. Gabriel, knowing that White can shuffle across and then Tomiyasu too, will be more, I think, willing and, and more confident in going out to that left-hand side to support, um, you know, to support the left-back, you know, Tavares, whoever it might be. The other big key point that Mikel Arteta mentioned in his press conference was with regards to the fitness of Thomas Partey. Now, there's been a lot going around over the last few days, pictures of Thomas Partey emerging on social media with him on an exercise bike, looking as though he has really stepped up his recovery. Now, when I look at him, obviously seeing him on an exercise bike, seeing him doing the things that he's being photographed doing gives you encouragement about when he's going to come back. But Mikel Arteta kind of poured cold water on the idea of Thomas Partey returning for the North London derby, which has been discussed by a lot of people as I say, in the uh, last couple of weeks. He said that Partey is progressing, but we don't expect to see him this season. Talk about putting a downer on it. But look, um, it, it looked like a bad injury when he picked it up. It's a recurring injury, as Mikel Arteta alluded to as well. So we've got to be really, really careful with him. And I think that the focus should be on, on playing without Thomas Partey. It should be on trying to minimise the impact of his absence, I think that we found a way of doing that with Elneny and Xhaka. It's not ideal. It doesn't offer all of the same things, but I think it's the best way of plugging that particular hole at this particular time. Um, but I think we need to plan for, you know, the possibility that Thomas Partey doesn't play again this season. And if he's back sooner, great, it's a bonus. But the focus has to be very much on those who are available and keeping them performing at the standard required. So that was a bit of a, a negative. The rest of the press conference, lots of other stuff was discussed. I'm not going to really go into it because it's not too relevant to this particular fixture. And it's not too relevant when it comes to the actual team and, and the players that are available and, and how the team might look moving forward. Um, but you can obviously check that press conference out. You can find it on YouTube if you just type in Arteta press conference. Or, uh, of course, you can read the transcript on a number of websites, including Football London. So that's what Mikel Arteta had to say to the press. Right now, let's um, let's shift across to the Premier League's uh, website and bring up, as we always do on our preview shows, some of the stats and facts surrounding this particular fixture. The head-to-head -head record between these two sides is highly sort of weighted in Arsenal's favour. They've met 51 times these two sides in Premier League history, of which the Gunners have won a whopping 33. West Ham United have beaten Arsenal on just eight occasions in the league, and there have been 10 draws between the two sides. But how have they fared against one another more recently? Well, Arsenal beat West Ham United at Emirates Stadium on Wednesday, 15th of December. And I remember going to that game thinking this was a real banana skid. An informed West Ham side 
a very physical West Ham side, one that were very, very dangerous from set pieces and one that could certainly cause us all sorts of problems. But to Arsenal's credit, they've done a wonderful job on the night, very professional and came away with a two goal victory. Now, if you go back to last season, there was, of course, that thrilling 3-3 draw at the London Stadium. Arsenal were 3-0 down in this one and came back to draw level uh, with a 3-3. And if you remember, that was, for me, the game where I realised that we needed to keep hold of Martin Odegaard. That was the day where I looked at him and thought, this guy has the potential and has the ability to be superb. And he's got to be the priority in the summer. And thankfully, Arsenal managed to get that deal done. If you go prior to that, we beat West Ham on Saturday the 19th of September at the Emirates Stadium by two goals to one. Saturday, 7th of March, 2020, that was the last game before COVID. If I'm not mistaken, that was the last game before we went into lockdown. Um, so we won that one as well. Um, and the game before that was a 3-1 win for the Gunners on Monday, the 9th of December at the London Stadium. So we've got a pretty positive record. We've won one, two, three, four of the last five, and there's been one draw in and amongst all of that. Of course, West Ham are involved in Europe now. And of course, their priority may be there. But make no mistake about this. This is not going to be an easy fixture. Now, it's easy to get carried away by the fact that their focus might be elsewhere. And it's easy to get carried away by the fact that Arsenal have a very positive record against the Hammers. But the fact of the matter is this. They're a very, very good side who have come a very, very long way under David Moyes. The London Stadium is going to be packed to the rafters. The atmosphere you'd imagine is going to be pretty good. It's it's a really difficult game, this one. And it, it would be right at the bottom of the list if I was sort of choosing the games in terms of the ones that I'd prefer to have at this point. Now, everybody is saying it's a foregone conclusion. Everybody's saying that, um, that Arsenal are strong favourites here because of the reasons mentioned. In fact, I did a betting podcast yesterday for the wonderful people over at Bet Rivers with uh, expert handicapper Nigel Seeley. And he was looking at the odds and saying, like, this is crazy. Like, the way the bookmakers, even the bookmakers, have got Arsenal as really, really strong, crazy favourites. It's just not right. Um, and we've got to be wary of that. We've got to be mindful of that going into this game. There's no room at all for complacency. Arsenal have to be at their best. If they are at their best, I believe that they'll take all three points from the London Stadium. I don't expect Leicester to do us any favours, given that they're likely to rotate given that they're probably going to make wholesale changes because of their second leg um, with Roma coming up on Thursday. So for that reason, I think it's imperative that we win. Um, you know, in this game in particular, I've never said that we need to win every game between now and the end of the season. In fact, I've said the opposite. I've said that we don't need to be flawless. We just need to be better than Spurs. And it can be viewed as simply as that. But in this particular case, where Spurs have a fixture, I just don't see them losing. I think it's really important that we do our bit, particularly with them playing Liverpool next week. If we can win this one and maintain that lead over Tottenham Hotspur, with them going to Liverpool, who are very much in the Premier League hunt, then that could be another key and pivotal weekend. So we need to do our jobs this week. It's really, really important. Moving on to the form guide. If you look at the form guide, both of these two sides have lost three out of their last five. The Gunners, of course, had that dismal short period where we lost at Crystal Palace, got beaten at home by Brighton and were beaten by a goal to nil 
at Southampton, but we've bounced back and turned it around with a 4-2 victory at Chelsea and a 3-1 win over Manchester United. For West Ham, it looks a little bit different. They lost their last fixture away at Chelsea, a game in which David Moyes made a number of changes, which is what leads people to believe that he'll do the same thing again with the second leg of their UEFA Europa League semi-final on the horizon. But they actually look really resolute that day. And my worry about West Ham this weekend is that we're going to struggle to break them down, particularly if they take up a low block shape. They were also held to a 1-1 draw by Burnley at the London Stadium prior to that. Prior to that, they were beaten at Brentford by two goals to nil. Their only win in the last five was a 2-1 home win over Frank Lampard's Everton, who are embroiled in a relegation scrap. If you compare the two teams' this seasons so far, West Ham United currently sit in seventh. Arsenal are in fourth. Uh, the Gunners have won 19. West Ham have won 15. West Ham have had seven draws, whereas the Gunners have only drawn three times. We've lost 11. They've lost 12. Average goal scored. It's a team that we beat. Finally, whenever we do this, Arsenal's average goal scored always seems to be lower than the opponents. But 1.58 this time in comparison to their 1.53. We also concede less goals on average than West Ham. And we've kept six more clean sheets than David Moyes' side. They do, however, according to the Premier League's official stats, create more chances per game than we do. But those are the stats. Those are the facts going into this one. Right, we're going to take a short pause and then I'm going to be back to share my thoughts on how this game might play out and share with you guys the team I'd like to see Mikel Arteta pick. OK, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Part two, the part in which we're going to start uh, trying to predict, trying to work out, trying to get a bit of a grip on how this game might play out. Now, as I say, do I expect West Ham to make changes? Yes, I do. But West Ham's squad isn't really that deep. Like they can't, they, like, I, I highly doubt that they're going to rotate like 10 of the 11 players. It isn't going to be as much as that. They've got issues at centre-back. Uh, of course, Craig Dawson, who played in Europe, um, is suspended for the Premier League because he was sent off against Chelsea last time out. But Kurt Zuma has returned to fitness. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him because Kurt Zuma was touch and go for the Eintracht Frankfurt game. So will David Moyes feel that having played that game, he's got enough in the tank to, having just sort of made it back, has he got enough in the tank to play against Arsenal and then go again against Frankfurt? If there's any risk, if there's any doubt in his mind, then you've got to feel he's going to prioritise the game in Frankfurt. So it's going to be interesting to see how West Ham line up. But from an Arsenal perspective, we have to start fast. We have to be confident. We have to take the game to West Ham United. We need to be very switched on, however, from set pieces. That's my big worry and my big fear going into this game. West Ham have proven time and time again under David Moyes with the likes of Socek, with Antonio, with the centre-backs when they're available. Um, and with the wonderful deliveries available to them from the likes of Lanzini, Bowen, um, Cresswell, etc. When you think about that, it's it's really kind of important that Arsenal stay switched on in those moments. West Ham can often sit in a really sort of rigid and um, and low block and, and basically wait for their opportunities to kind of crop up from set pieces here and there. And so often it works to good effect. 
I think we've talked a lot this season about our set-piece coach and the work he's done and the good job he's done and the fact that he's made us a lot more comfortable from those types of situations. Well, mate, this is the weekend that you are going to earn your money <laughs> uh, because this is a team that are experts in that field. I think, as I say, Arsenal need to play on the front foot. They need to be aggressive. They need to do things quickly. And they need to go out there looking to stun and shell shock a West Ham United side that, make no mistake about it, were rocked by the defeat against Eintracht Frankfurt. I know a lot of West Ham fans who were buzzing about the game. And I'm not saying they were arrogant or that they were overconfident going into the match. That would be unfair. But I think sometimes when you really build up an occasion in the way they did, and then, as they should, by the way, but when you really build up an occasion and then you get hit by an early goal, what was it, two minutes in, it can really deflate the mood. And then, of course, West Ham did brilliantly to sort of wrestle back um, some impetus and they obviously found that goal, drew Mikel Antonio to level it, which, um, you know, sent the, the London Stadium into raptures. But then nine minutes after the break, they found themselves behind again when Kamada scored for Eintracht Frankfurt. So the point I'm trying to make is that Thursday's game will have been really taxing physically, but also mentally as well. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, I think, fascinating to see how that plays on West Ham going into this game. So there shouldn't be, you know, any hesitation from Arsenal. We shouldn't allow them time, space um, and, and the opportunity, I guess, to feel sorry for themselves and slowly feel their way back into the game. you got to catch them while they're cold. you got to strike while the iron's hot and you got to go out there and be aggressive from the off. I thought we did that to Manchester United and we got a goal within a couple of minutes. I'm not saying it's going to be as easy as that. I'm not saying that's... Uh, you know, a must, but I am saying that we should be trying to really get in and amongst West Ham. But if we see it's not working and if we see that we do just need to be a little bit more patient, need to back off that little bit, make sure that our shape is right, make sure that defensively we're not giving anything cheap away. You wonder if they'll start to run on empty towards the end of the game, in which case we've got a couple of players now that we can bring off of the substitutes bench who can hopefully impact the game in a positive way. And this new Arsenal sort of mentality has shown us to be a side that don't give up, that always fight. And that gives me encouragement that we can come through this one. So what team would I pick going into this game? And I think most of the team, in my opinion, picks itself. I think there's a couple of decisions that need to be made, but I think for me, it was a pretty simple selection this time around. So I've gone with Aaron Ramsdale in goal. I've gone with a back four of Tommy Asu, assuming and providing that he's fit enough. Um, ben White, Gabriel and Nuno Tavares. I've gone with Xhaka and Elneny in midfield with Martin Odegaard playing in his familiar role as captain, by the way. He'd have the armband for me again. Saka from the right and Ketia through the middle because I think he's done quite well in the last couple of games. And for me... On the left, it's got to be Gabriel Martinelli. And a lot of people will agree with that because a lot of people wanted to see him start at the weekend. But others will disagree with that. Other people will say that perhaps Emil Smith-Rowe should be in the side. Maybe he's a little bit more solid defensively. Maybe he combines that a little bit better with Nuno Tavares. But I'll explain to you my reasoning on this. I think that we just can't afford at the moment to carry passengers. We can't afford at the moment to carry players who aren't 100%. We need to be at our best and we need to be fit and we need to be sharp and we need to be physical and we need to give something 
to we need to give West Ham something, I beg your pardon, to think about. And Martinelli gives them something to think about. He will help us sort of pin some of their players back. He gives us an outlet, an outball. Um, he gives us a threat in behind if we do want to be that little bit more direct. And when I look at Emil Smith-Rowe's performance against Manchester United, look, he wasn't dreadful, but I watched him against Chelsea and thought in the first half, at least, he really found his groove again. And he was back after sort of a an in and out period from the team, a couple of injury problems, a couple of knocks here and there. But against Manchester United, I thought for large periods, he was a passenger. I thought in the first half, he contributed very, very little going forward, but also struggled to provide cover and support to Nuno Tavares at left back. So for that reason, I want to take him out of the team. And I think that Martinelli's energy and hopefully freshness will be a, a big weapon that we can use and will be something that gives us hopefully an advantage going into this one. So that's why I've gone with Martinelli. So just to reiterate, my team, Ramsdale in goal, back four of Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel and Tavares, Xhaka, Elneny and Odegaard with Saka from the right, Martinelli from the left and Nketiah through the middle at centre forward. Now, of course, there's a couple of caveats in there. That's assuming that everyone's fit. That's assuming that everyone's available. And that's assuming that Mikel Arteta and his staff believe that Takahiro Tomiyasu is ready. If he's not ready, then you play Cedric. It's as simple as that. But in an ideal world, that's the team I would like to see Arsenal and Arteta go with. Okay. Um, in terms of a prediction, I'm going to give you a prediction and then I'm going to take some of your questions and some of your thoughts from the live chat. So start getting them in there as well. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit that like button. Let's check where we are in terms of likes at the moment. Uh, join the 49 people that have already hit the like button at this point. Help us get up to 100. There's more than enough of you watching. And remember, subscribe to the channel if you're new. That really, really does help as well. Okay, so my prediction for this one. I keep going with these conservative, like, one nils, nil nils, one ones. I feel like Arsenal will have taken a lot of confidence from the game against Manchester United. I feel like Arsenal will have... Um, will feel like they found a bit of a second wind um, after that really sort of, you know, we were on a good run and everybody said that the top four was done and everybody said it was wrapped up and we kind of went into a couple of games, I think, not up for it, like not up for the fight, not ready like we were at Crystal Palace. And then I thought that Mikel Arteta got it horribly wrong um, with his team selection against Brighton. And I thought that cost us dearly. And then the, the Southampton game was was another type of defeat, if you like. It was three different types of defeats for me. So the first one was um, Crystal Palace. I just thought that physically they were more up for it. They were ready. And once they got their noses in front, it was always going to be very difficult against a very solid and stubborn Patrick Vieira side. The Brighton one, I thought we got it hopelessly wrong tactically. But Southampton, Mikel Arteta, for me, done everything that I would have done except it just didn't work out. And I couldn't really put my finger on why. I think, you know, if you had to come up with one singular reason, it would be that we didn't take our chances. Okay, there was that opportunity that Saka missed, and there was that opportunity, of course, uh, that was spurned by Emil Smith-Rowe in the second half. So there were three very different types of defeats. And I think that's harder to process in some ways because you can't quite put your finger on what the problem is. There's not one problem that you go, oh, that's the issue, let's fix that and we'll be fine. One week it was about bad finishing. One week it was about physically not competing. And another time it was about getting it tactically utterly wrong. So 
yeah, difficult, difficult period. But we came through it with a big, big win at Chelsea. And then, of course, that victory over Manchester United has just kind of extended the wave a little bit, hasn't it? The wave of positivity. And as I say, I feel like Arsenal have kind of found a bit of a second wind just at the right time, really. Um, so I think that Arsenal can win this game. And I think that I'm going to go with a 3-1 win to the Gunners. I think that West Ham will make changes. I think that they'll give us an opportunity. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be an easy game. There is no easy game in the Premier League. So I don't want to come across as arrogant or overly confident because believe me, I'm not. But I've got a good feeling about this one. And given Arsenal's recent record against West Ham, I feel as though we could go there and take all three points. And if we did, as I say, that would be another huge and significant step towards Champions League qualification. OK, let's take some of your questions then from the live chat box. What have we got? Do, 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 as he scrolls through. Uh, Victor Edwards uh, says, what do you think of the new song doing the rounds on Twitter today? Always been jealous of blowing bubbles and you'll never walk alone. Would be nice to have our own and fits in with the spirit of our manager and our team. Yeah, it's the North London song. Um, which a lot of you will have seen floating around on social media. I hadn't heard the song, I've got to be honest, until today. I quite like it. But I think things like that, right, like You'll Never Walk Alone, Bubbles that West Ham do, they're things that are built up over the years. They're, they're, like, they're like historical things. I think you can start something like that, but it's not going to just become Arsenal's anthem, like bang overnight, in the way that You'll Never Walk Alone is for Liverpool or in the way that I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles is for West Ham. I'm not jealous of the bubbles one. I got to be honest that I'm not, I, I, I just don't get that on. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's a bit silly uh, for me. I like, you'll never walk alone. You know, if I were a Liverpool fan, I'd sort of be well up for that going into the games and going into the stadium, etc., etc. But um, yeah, I, it, it's, it, it's a decent song. The one you're referencing uh, from what I've heard of it today. Um, and yeah, let's see if it catches on. I've listen, I've over the years, I've scrolled through tw Twitter many, many times and seen many, many chants, if you like, um, that that sort of have been proposed on there. And everyone's gone, Oh, that's great, that's fantastic. It got to the ground, and it's just never caught on. So I am wary of that, um, in terms of getting too excited, but I like it, I do. What else have we got? Uh, doo -doo -doo, just scrolling through the chat box, getting loads of your predictions in as well. Uh, Gravity says, Hi, Harry. With West Ham, I think the key is to be calm within the first 15 minutes. Pepe needs to get some minutes in this game. Keep it in your favourites. Arsenal 2, West Ham United 0. Yeah, and as I said to you, like I think that I believe that we should go out there with the aim of a fast start. I, I do. I think that given what West Ham come into this game off the back of. I think there's a chance that you catch them cold. It's not to question their professionalism or anything like that, but I think there's a chance that the emotional energy that they exerted on Thursday night could mean it takes them a bit of time to get into their stride. So I would go there looking to make a fast start, but good in-game management and good on-field management is recognising and understanding actually when what you've tried is not working, what you're looking to do isn't happening and having that sort of understanding of that and then the ability to go, okay, right, we tried it, didn't work, back to the drawing board, let's drop off a few yards, let's get compact, let's sit that little bit deeper and make sure that we don't give anything in away, uh, sorry, give anything away 
whilst we rethink and recalibrate that strategy. So I think it's a great point that you make. Um, Christian Hoover, this is a this is a great question. What's the best celebration you've seen from an Arsenal goal? Whew. I think my my favourite, one of the ones that always sticks to mind is Thierry Henry sort of running to the Tottenham fans uh, from one end of the pitch and then sliding in front of them at Highbury. I think I've got a picture of that. Yeah, there it is on one of my walls um, of that particular moment. Fantastic moment. I think that's probably up there. Um, when I'm in the ground, I don't really, I'm too busy sort of going mad myself. So I don't really focus too much on the celebrations. It tends to be away games where I pay more attention, where the, on most occasions I'm sort of watching for a screen. Um, Matty Gunas says, any chance we can catch Chelsea? Look, it's um, it's not impossible. We're six points behind them, five games to go. Um I think that had they lost last night, you, you might have looked at it a little bit more optimistically. I think there are issues at Chelsea. I think that the focus is going to shift, of course, to that FA Cup final. Personally, I would just be focused on on getting into fourth place and, and sort of holding Spurs off. And if we recognise, you know, at some point that there is an opportunity that Chelsea have left the door open, well, you should always look to achieve the maximum that's available to you. So, yeah, it's, it's not impossible, uh, mate, but... I I wouldn't be obsessing over it right now. I think if we just focus on ourselves, if we just do the business and do um, our job, then then we'll be fine. Um, Afsar Gunner says, Harry, what's your opinion on Piers Morgan hammering Arteta on TalkSport? What a disgrace. Well, let me make it clear. I completely agree. Um, I beg your pardon <laughs> before I get myself in trouble. I completely disagree with, um, with Piers Morgan's uh, comments and views. On Mikel Arteta, I find it irritating that he constantly brings up the Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang thing. It's like he's got nothing else to talk about. And it feels like a really basic level of football conversation for me. And, um, and and that does sort of irritate me. What I would say, though, is that Piers Morgan is the king, is the master. And if you don't know who Piers Morgan is, if you're not based in the UK and you don't know who he is, give him a Google. Um, he was a, a journalist turned sort of broadcaster. Um and Piers Morgan is the king of winding people up. Like that is literally what he does. Like he's literally created his own show on talk TV called Piers Morgan Uncensored, where the sole purpose, really, let's be honest, is not to champion free speech. Although I I, I believe strongly in free speech, as long as it's within reason and as long as you're not being an arsehole to people. Um, but he's not doing it to champion free speech or to protect people's free speech. He's doing it to wind people up. He's doing it to get clicks. He's doing it to get people over there. He's doing it because that's the way the world works. Now, people seem to gravitate towards things that outrage them more than they do things that they enjoy. It, it's, it's a weird mindset. Like, I don't get it. Like, if I like your content, I will make time in my day and in my calendar or when I do have an opportunity to watch or listen to something, it will be at the top of my list and I'll go there. Like there's a handful of podcasts that I listen to religiously. And there's others that I dip in and out of just because of time. But when I'm traveling and I, and I travel quite a bit, sort of to and from central London and whatever, um, or wherever I'm going for work, I do get the opportunity to listen to quite a few. But I've got my kind of go-to stuff. But there's people 
who tell me like, oh, I listen to this and I'm like, oh, is it good? No, no not really, but it's really controversial or it's really this or it's really that. Or it's I like laughing. And I just think to myself, like, I don't want to waste my time listening to or consuming content that I think is nonsense. But I, I always say this with Piers Morgan. I talked about it earlier on, on the press review show that we did the last episode, that there is clickbait um, sort of involved in the transfer windows. And I kind of explained a little bit about why, although I don't like it, I understand why people do it because it does work because people still, even when probably if they search deep down, they know it's clickbait, people still gravitate towards it. And it's exactly the same with this. It's controversy in order to try and drive traffic. And it seems to work. And, and Piers Morgan is, listen, he's a lot of things, but he's not stupid. He's not stupid. He knows exactly what he's doing. And uh, he's reeled a lot of people in over the last few months. Kingsley Opara says, who has better hair, Arteta, Ronaldo or Harry? Well, the answer, my friend, is obvious, but I'll let you guys uh, answer it in the chat. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Uh, Krish says, Harry, would you take the Bala on a free transfer? Some of the fans think he's a poor player. I don't think he's a poor player. I think that technically he's a wonderful player. I think that he's been unlucky in the way his Juve career has gone. It's never really... I'm not going to say it's never worked out because he had good spells and good periods, but he's never fulfilled his potential, I believe. And that is largely due to managers, I think, struggling to fit him in tactically. And I just look at this Arsenal team and I'm not really sure where he'd play in that either. I mean, does he play off the front man? Does he play as the front man? Does he play like a false nine? Does he play from the right? Does he play from the left? I need to know more about how he fits in to, to kind of cast a, a full judgment on whether I think it'd be a good sign or not. But from a technical standpoint, he's a wonderful player. For me, there's no question about it. Um, big hello to Ayoku as well, uh, who joins us uh, from Canada. Uh, Sko. Uh, just going back to what I was saying. Uh, that's well said, bro. You see it in this fan base talking about me saying people sort of gravitate to things they don't like. He says people gravitate to things that wind them up even more than things they enjoy. It's bizarre. The chat box is fuller with trolls after losses. 100%. 100%. And of course, Charlie says, uh, have you still got the Suvlaya going on? And which dip? Uh, he's asking which dip I'm having with him. No, they're done. All finished. All eaten as well. All gone. Um yeah, it's it's funny because like I put what did I put four skewers on this evening. You can see the video on my Twitter. Um, and my wife was like, "Oh, what are you doing with that? Why why'd you put four skewers on? There's only f sort of three of us and the baby. Like you know, four in total, but the baby doesn't even eat that stuff. You know, oh, why why'd you put so much on, mate? I ate my dinner. I went. I did some, uh, a bit of um, admin that I needed to do, and I came back just before I did this podcast, and it was all bloody gone. So next time, don't tell me that four skewers is too much uh, for us because it isn't. It really, really isn't. <laughs> um, thank you uh, for your kind words, mate. And um, a lot of you have been asking me on Twitter, am I going to do like a barbecue sort of blog video? Because I seem to post the barbecue pictures quite a lot and people keep talking about them. As I said to someone that asked me, um, I'm not really an expert. Whoops. Like I'm not really... Um, I'm not really an expert on barbecues. Like I'm someone who does them because I enjoy them. I'm someone who does them because uh, I think they're fun and I love eating them. But 
there are people out there that are much better than me. In fact, I know a fair few, so I might uh, rope somebody in over the summer. Maybe we can do like a little um, walkthrough video on how to do like a Cypress-style barbecue. Okay, let's take a couple um, more of your questions. Um, Jay Walker says, uh, sorry, he... Jay Walker's asking about that. I'll come back to that one in a minute. I meant to click on this one from Christian. He says, name your two strikers for Arsenal this summer. Jesus and Darwin Nunez for me. If we could get those two, I'd be over the bloody moon. I'm not even sure that we're going to get two, um, if I'm honest. But if we could get two, that would be my two. Because I think they offer different things as well. And it gives us a bit of variety, which is... um what what I'd uh, I'd really like. Jay Walker says, does Dybala not operate in similar areas to Jesus? I don't think Dybala's a nine. I think that Jesus is a player who can play as a nine, but can play as a false nine as well, um, in the sense of dropping that little bit deeper. But whereas Dybala, I think, is a false nine and not a conventional nine. Um, so I think that you get more variety out of Jesus than you do from Dybala, who I think is a little touch um, one-dimensional in that sense. I don't mean that in a negative way, but I just mean that he's for a very specific role for me. And I, I think that's why he's never really thrived at Juventus because of that reason, because he's, his game is is sort of very much one way. Um, wow. Uh, big super chat from uh, Guna Craig. Thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Really appreciate your support. Honestly, it means the world to me. Um that you guys are supporting the channel, tuning in, first of all, and then supporting as well. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much, mate. Honestly, um, means the world to me. Uh, thank you for your kindness, honestly. Uh, he also says, Harry, who would be our best possible signing? Our best possible signing. Wow. Uh, that is a question. Well, it'd be somebody like Killian Mbappe, wouldn't it? But that's not going to happen. So in terms of re realistic signings, um, I'd love us to get our hands on Haaland. It's not going to happen. But I just think, like, when you think about his age profile, you think about his relationship with Martin Erdegaard, the fact that he could just give us that focal point and, and have Saka and Smith-Rowe and Martinelli and all those guys playing off him. Just the thought of it is amazing. And when you look at his release clause, like, it's not impossible to do that deal. So he would be the ideal signing for me. But it's not going to happen. Uh, but you asked me what the best possible signing would be. And uh, and he certainly falls into that category. Thank you again, mate, for your very, very kind uh, donation. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, as Afsar says, moon the likes. Yes, please do. Uh, because we've still not hit 100 likes yet, but there's way over a couple of hundred of you watching us right now. And remember, please do hit the subscribe button on this channel if you haven't done so already. Let's try and get to 20k a S A P. It would be amazing. Uh, also, before we continue, I just want to draw you guys' attention to our good friends over at Football Prizes who have another Arsenal related prize up for grabs. What is it? I hear you ask. Well, this time it is a signed Alexander Lacazette framed shirt. Uh, for your opportunity to win, click on the link in the description, which will take you over to the Football Prizes page. Tickets cost £2.95 and there are 199 of them available. The winner will be drawn. Um, well, the details of the draw are in there, uh, but the competition ends on Monday, the 2nd of May 
at 7.30 p.m. Now, as well as winning the Alexander Lacazette signed and framed Arsenal shirt, there's the opportunity to win one of eight instant win prizes. There are additional prizes, and these include an Aubameyang signed and custom-framed Arsenal shirt, a Liam Brady signed and framed Arsenal montage, uh, Arsenal club shop vouchers, and some vouchers for the Football Prizes site. Now, as I said to you guys, the competition ends on the 2nd of May, that's Monday, at 7.30pm. However, there were 199 tickets available and there's just, 100, uh, there's just a handful left because 118 of them have already been sold. So whilst this competition is officially going to run until Monday, if the tickets run out before then, that's it. And you've missed it. It's done. Gone. Goodbye. So if you do want to get involved, please do check out Football Prizes and we thank them for their support of the podcast. Okay. Um, let's take uh, some of your thoughts. Uh, Dalisu says, if we only get one striker in the summer, does that mean the only other striker would be Balogun? <sighs> Maybe. Um, I don't know really. I don't really know what to say to that because l- listen, I don't think that following Balogun is ready yet. That's my view. That's my opinion. It's not that I don't think he'll ever be there. I don't think he'll ever go on to a high level. But I haven't seen enough of him, enough positives from him to suggest that yes, he definitely one hundred percent is ready to come in and play a part. Of Arsenal still think he's got a lot of learning to do, a lot of developing to do, um, and it's a, it's a hard one, you know. Because if we let's say we kept Eddie and Ketia, I don't think we will, but let's say we did. You'd probably rather Arsenal went and got an elite striker, would you not, than got two sort of good strikers? Uh, That's how I feel. I think that at this stage in the build, it's important that we go for quality over quantity. Depth is is great and we all want it and you want to get there eventually. But it takes time to build quality depth, doesn't it? Um, And it's not always possible to do just like that. So, um, yeah, I'd like two strikers. But if we only get one good one, I guess I'd have to be content with that. Uh, Paul James says, would you play Tomiyasu at left back and retain Cedric at right back or play Tomiyasu at right back and move Cedric to left back? Interesting. Um, Interesting that you say that. I just think, though, that when you play a right footer at left back, it really does impact the balance of the team, not just defensively, but going forward as well. You know, how many times did we see Cedric last season? Uh, when he played that short period at left-back, bombing up the left flank, doing brilliantly to get into a wonderful position. And then when the ball got worked out to him, he just had to take that extra touch just to steady himself or shift it back inside onto his right foot. It becomes predictable and it disrupts the rhythm of your play. In an ideal world, while we've got a left-back available, that's not what I would do. But I understand the temptation. And I understand when people look at Tommy Asu, they see a player who's quite comfortable, actually, with his left foot. Mikel Arteta highlighted it as one of the reasons he was sort of um, drawn into him when he was scouting him, is the fact that he can do that, he can use the other foot and he can sort of help break a press that way um, and and break lines. But there's just a part of me that always feels like that's just a really awkward fit. And I don't know that Cedric is good enough to do that and to a good level. I also don't know that Tomiyasu will be comfortable enough with his left foot to put in the same level of performance that he would on the right, in which case I'd probably leave it as is. But yeah, okay, I think we're going to leave it there because it's Friday night. Um, I need some downtime. I need some chill time. It's been a long old season um, and, uh, and it all continues, of course, for us, for the Arsenal 
this Sunday with that trip to the London Stadium. Uh, don't know if we'll be doing a watch along for that yet. We might be. I'll keep you guys posted. I know that the watch alongs have gone down really well when we have been able to do them. And I think um, that I'm well, I am struggling to get a ticket for West Ham away. And I think that it's probably going to be the case that I, I end up missing out. So if I do miss out, then I will do the watch along here on the channel and you guys can join me for that. We can watch the game in each other's company and we can go through the ups and downs together. But I'll keep you posted. I'll let you know tomorrow on that. Um, like the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you're listening via the audio platforms, please do leave us a review. We're going to be back uh, with some more content tomorrow, depending on what uh, the press spit out in the morning about the Arsenal. But we will bring you something tomorrow in between this show and, of course, the game against West Ham United. I'll catch you all very, very soon with more. Enjoy your Friday evening. And if you don't get a chance to tune in before Monday, enjoy your bank holiday as well. Catch you all very, very soon. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.